Hello, hockey fans. Welcome to this week's episode of From the Press Box right here on the AHL Report. So glad you're with us today. Uh, I am your host, Amy Johnson, the league correspondent here at the AHL Report. And of course, I'm joined every single week by my fantastic co-host, our founder and editor-in-chief here at Rocket Sports Media, and that would be the one and only Rick Stevens. How are you today, sir? I'm doing well, thanks. Glad to be here. Glad to be with you and with all of our listeners on this lovely afternoon. Absolutely. And uh, it's only Tuesday. In case you're having trouble keeping track of the days in quarantine, isolation, it is Tuesday. Uh, and uh, the week has already had more than its fair share of hockey news, so um, it can settle down now. <laughs> it's supposed to ease us back into these things, you know. But whether our listeners know what um, day it is or, or if they don't, uh, because routines have changed, and, mm-hmm. you know, um, the nice thing is that they've, they, whatever new routine they're onto, they've kept us as part of the routine. And we're thrilled about that um, because from our, our numbers, we noticed that our listeners have stuck through us uh, through all of this. And, and they have. whether, you know, I, I, there's many who listen to us on their commute and their commutes might have changed. It might be instead listening to us at home over a cup of coffee or out in the garden or in the in the barn, as we know, <laughs> there's at least one uh, doing that. Uh, we we're really grateful that um, you've stuck with us and you're listening to from the press box every week. And uh, as we bring you all of the news that's uh, accumulating uh, in the world of hockey. I like to think that uh, for anyone who listens to us while doing any work in a barn, um, that their enjoyment of listening is only surpassed by the enjoyment the animals get from getting to listen as well. I didn't know that the animals were listening too. I did. I didn't I, know that. I'm but, hoping I'm actually right. I'm very much hoping that the animals are listening as well. And um, I wonder if, I wonder <laughs> if that shows up in our account. If, <laughs> if we get, it needs to. <laughs> yeah, it should. Yeah, that'd be good. It needs to. Well, we're certainly glad to have you all here. Um, there is a lot to cover in today's show. Uh, if if there was one week that you wanted to tune in, this would be the one. So, you know, strap in, buckle up, uh, because there's lots of stuff happening this week. In the first segment, of course, where we typically cover the Laval Rocket and the Lehigh Valley Phantoms, uh, we have a little bit of... of uh, an item related to the Flyers. And then there's actually a lot happening uh, with Montreal this week, uh, a number of signings from Montreal and Laval this week, as well as um, complete coverage from the media teleconference that we took part of uh, yesterday afternoon with head coach Joe Bouchard. Uh, We've got some audio clips from that um, that you won't hear uh, most anywhere else. Uh, as well as our reactions to the things that uh, Coach Bouchard had to say. Uh, That leads us then into segment two around the AHL, which is where we'll discuss the the broader reason why Joel Bouchard held that teleconference yesterday, and that was Dave Andrews and the AHL Board of Governors making the official announcement yesterday that the AHL season has been canceled. 
no longer on pause uh, season is officially over. So we're going to get into what that means uh, and and what what else um, could what else now is is the next step. Um, that also means that some of the season award winners have already been announced. Uh, so we're going to talk about those as well as a retirement that was announced this week in the AHL. Uh, and finally, in our third segment, we go beyond the AHL. We've got a couple of uh, couple of items to touch on in the NCAA uh, regarding uh, some some honors that were handed out to a couple of familiar names, as well as uh, some interesting quotes about next season. Um, hopefully, now we, we've had such jam-packed shows recently with lots and lots of great hockey info that we've actually not had time to get to our top five. So we do have our top five for today, uh, if we if we can squeeze it in. And of course, yeah, we please. have to feel good. Mm. Yes, of course. But don't worry, even if we can't get to it today, we it, it it just automatically means it gets put on the schedule for next week. But we're hoping to get to it today. Uh, and of course, feel good finale. We've got a great uh, great story for you there. So lots to talk about. Lots to talk about. Well, uh, I'm I guess ready. You're ready. I think as ready as I'll ever get. Uh huh. Okay. I'm glad to hear it. Um. So let's start with just a bit of news uh, out of Philadelphia. Um, this probably didn't uh, cause much more than a blip, really, on new, in the news cycles, because in this grand scheme of things, it's a it's a very minor transaction, not really something to uh, be concerned about or anything like that. But just interesting to note that there was a trade in the KHL. Uh, last Friday um, involving Flyers prospect German Rupsov. Um, now, German Rupsov has been playing in North America since the 2016-2017 season. He's, you know, Flyers and Phantoms fans are very familiar with German Rupsov. He's really, uh, he, he actually made some pretty good impressions at the NHL this year. Um, so he's been playing here for quite a while. What you might not realize is that his rights are actually were actually held by um, a KHL team, Vitiaz. Um, and this week, they traded his rights along with another forward uh, to SKA St. Petersburg in exchange for, you might recall this name, Nel Yakupov. Now, Rupsov is still on his ELC with the Flyers until the end of next season. Um, and just because his rights were traded doesn't mean he's going anywhere. It just means, as our, as our friend Bill Meltzer uh, mentioned in a, in a write-up that he did about this, uh, a lot of, if a KHL team knows that a player that they have the rights to isn't coming back anytime soon, then they use them as a trading chip. Um, and, and that seems to be the case here. So uh, Rick, it's, um, you know, interesting when that kind of thing, it, it's almost like it happens behind the scenes because you don't really ever hear much about it, but, but to see now Yakupov in the trading mix um, that also, you know, got some attention as well. It's, it's uh, of minor interest and particularly when there's very much, it's, uh, it's of interest. 
I took a peek in on the um, the Flyers uh, a Reddit thread about this, and and of course there was the usual uh, panic and uh, you know oh he's a bust and he's not going to make the the NHL and there he goes and um, all that kind of stuff. But he's 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 progressing quite nicely and and uh, uh, this doesn't mean this re- really doesn't mean anything. You know, if it were for some crazy reason uh, that the KHL were to resume play um, and the NHL was not, um, and to get some playing time, um, you know, over the course of a season or whatever, uh, that that the Flyers thought it would be a good idea for him to play. That's 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 a long shot possibility, but. Um, I guess that's the only time that it would come into play here. Well, and it's, you know, it's one of those things again, yes, it's, it's probably not likely, um, but just one of those things to kind of, um, you know, keep an eye on um, and, and to be aware of in, in the back of your mind. In fact, um, you had even said to me the other day, uh, you know, you were reviewing, cap and and who was still being paid in the in the Canadians organization and um reminded me that this next is it this next season will be the first season in a long time that the Canadians won't be paying Max Freeberg. <laughs> um well it, yeah no hold his right let, yeah holding his rights they haven't been paying right. him any money no he hasn't been coming off right. the cap but he they've retained um Max Freeberg's rights and there's a number of players, some of whom we'll get to in just a second, uh, whose rights expire as of, as of June 1st, Max Freeberg, um, captain of uh, St. John's Ice Caps. Uh, they held his rights. Uh, they hold his rights. I should say, but I, Max Freeberg is having a great career uh, with uh, for London. So I, I don't expect to be back uh, and and that to be an issue there at all. I agree. Uh, so little little nugget of information for Flyers and Phantoms fans out there, just something to keep an eye on. But uh, as far as we know right now, German Rupsov is uh, is staying put. Uh, happened to catch um, for Phantoms fans, uh, Service Electric is the local cable company who who holds the broadcasting rights for all of the Phantoms home games. And during this quarantine they've been running some specials and they had the annual phantoms spelling bee the other night and alex lyon was the uh was since he won last year uh he was the mc for it this year and bless his heart they had kirill ustamenko on and kirill ustamenko as he said doesn't even know the english alphabet <laughs> much less how to spell and the poor kid <laughs> couldn't even spell german Rupsoff, and he said oh ruby's gonna kill me Rupsoff was one of the the spelling bee words and um yeah it, joel farabee uh was was trying really hard isaac ratcliffe was trying really hard um but kirill ustamenko was like oh ruby's gonna kill me i can't <laughs> he couldn't he couldn't couldn't do it so um just a little bit of fun there, but yes, uh, German Rupsoff not going anywhere right now. So that brings us to the meat of this segment, and that is, I, my goodness, uh, Montreal has been busy and buzzing this week. 
Um, let's first start with uh, Laval made a signing of their own this past week. They agreed to terms on a one-year, one-way AHL contract with forward Liam Howell. Um, and uh, he's 21. Uh, he's most recently played for the Kitchener Rangers in the OHL. Um, but he's he's also played uh, in, in Guelph as well um, and has kind of played – played a little bit all over the CHL um, and was a fourth round pick by the Dallas stars in the 2017 draft. Um, Rick, what are your thoughts on this signing for Laval? Uh, it's, it's a good size, uh, good signing. Um, Liam Haug, good size, six, five, um, good combination of size and, and he skates well. Um, only about 180 pounds. So pretty slight. Um, and uh, all the things that, um, you know, he's, he's got long stride, he's got a good reach, um, but because of his uh, kind of thin frame, he, he's uh, been uh, critiqued as playing a little soft and, and um, uh, would like, uh, they would like him to get more involved. And I think uh, Joel Bouchard should have no problem um, motivating him to get involved. Uh, you might wonder why the the Laval Rocket need another center when some of their centers <laughs> well. uh, have already been playing on the wing. Um, but this is a guy who had uh, been with the Dallas Stars, uh, drafted in 2017, and and uh, released and and uh, is is looking for a, a a new chance. And as you said, four um, uh, games. And prior to that, had spent uh, two and a half. With the Gulf Storm and had been teammates of Nick Suzuki and uh, Cam Hillis uh, with Canadians and of course Isaac Radcliffe with uh, with Phantoms last year. So uh, lots of connections uh, in there. Um, Twenty-one years old, so um, he's, he's looking to uh, um, you know just have a, 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 a fresh start with a new organization, and, and we'll see how that goes with Lavelle. Absolutely. Um, another signing actually just happened today, uh, and that is the three-year entry-level contract for Cam Hillis, another forward uh, signed by the Canadians. Uh, he was a draftee in the third round of the 2018 NHL draft, uh, 19 years old. He played with the Guelph Storm this past year. Um, ranking second on the team in points with 83 points in 62 games, uh, led his team in assists and in plus minus differential. Um, and I believe was the captain of the Gulf storm again this year as well. Uh, native of Oshawa, Ontario. Now, Rick, first of all, what, what are your expectations of Cam Hillis and going along with that? Something that we had talked about last week this is another roster signing. So is Mark Bergevin, are his hands tied now as far as other, uh, other prospects that can't sign ELCs like Samuel Oud and, and those kinds of guys. We talked about that a little bit last week. It's um, uh, first of all, Cam Hillis is, is seen as a, as a project, maybe a, a longer term project. And particularly because some of his development um, he ran into injury issues, and that season where the Guelph Storm went to, uh, they they won the 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 OHL championships and they went to the Memorial Cup. That was with 
Isaac Radcliffe, uh, Cam Hillis was injured. Um, and that season, um, he ran into uh, a couple of different injuries, a knee injury and two shoulder injuries. And, and uh, that season, um, you know, was, was almost wiped. So um, this past season, you know, a lot of eyes were on him. Um, he's he, a lot of character. He was the captain. Um, and he's, uh, he's got some skills, some talent. He's a, he's a playmaker um, more than a, more than a shooter. Uh, he's willing to carry the puck. Um, he's his, his, his best skill is, is passing. He can feather touch a pass and, and uh, um, that, that is rather mature for, for a junior hockey player. Um, so he, um, he, he signed his contract. He was excited to sign his contract. He, uh, he's quoted as, as having been in Nick Suzuki and, and Nick um, congratulated him and, and uh, uh, welcomed him to the, to the organization and touched since their days with, with Guelph. Um, I, I think he's, he kind of turned a corner this past year and, and uh, now it's, it's uh, we'll see what happens when he makes the, the jump to the pro level. He had a bit of, he was a bit more of a dynamic player um, in minor hockey and he had a bit of trouble of his size when he made that jump to, to junior hockey, but uh, we'll we'll see what happens. Um, I, I mentioned he was the captain. There's there's the character side there. Um, the OHL today uh, released its Dan Schneider Memorial uh, Trophy Humanitarian of the Year winner, uh, of which Cam Hillis was um, the nominee for uh, the Guelph Storm. Uh, so you know that um, that. The, there's some character there. I should say that the winner was uh, from my Kitchener Rangers, Jacob Ingram. Uh, he also happens to be a goalie and uh, he, uh, he won that award um, getting inspiring the community to, uh, to donate blood. Um, and um, so congratulations to uh, Jacob Ingram and also to Cam Hillis for, for being a nominee. Um, now the, the tricky thing as, as you said, comes, with the number of contracts the Canadians have. And, and it was uh, Mark uh, Bergevin, and I think it was around the end of February when he was talking to Matthias Brunet of La Presse, and he said that there was going to be only one uh, spot for their four unsigned prospects. Uh, those four unsigned prospects, we've we talked about them before, uh, Cam Hillis being one, uh, Alan McShane probably next in the pecking order, then Cole Fonstad uh, from uh, Everett, um, and then uh, from Shakutami Samuel Oud. Um, so does this mean that now there's not room uh, for uh, we will know for sure over the next two weeks? I would, I would suspect, and as I said before, someone like Samuel Oud, I don't expect the Canadians to sign uh, to an entry-level contract, but the door is open that he could always uh, sign uh, an AHL contract uh, with the the amount of movement that there could be uh, by Laval with the uh, UFAs and RFAs, there could be room for um, an AHL contract like that. Now, all of the excitement in Montreal this week certainly surrounded the announcement that Alexander Romanoff uh, is in fact coming to Montreal, coming to Canada. Uh, he and his agent 
took place, uh, took part in a, in a uh, media teleconference as well. Um, And Romanov to his credit certainly said all of the right things, Uh, really excited to get to Montreal, really excited to do his part says he's ready to play anywhere, whether it's the AHL, the NHL, he just wants to play. He just wants to get at it. Um, his, uh, his agent, um, Dan Milstein actually said that he celebrated upon, upon hearing the news that, that he saw that he was signing. Uh, his celebration was to go out to his home gym and work up a sweat. So, <laughs> It's a, it's a pretty good celebration for the young man, but Rick um, Romanoff is, is he, you know, the, is, is it still up in the air as to whether or not he would be able to participate if the NHL resumes this season, or will he have to wait till the 2021 season? Um, when can fans expect to see him? And obviously they're excited for him to get here. Yeah. And he's, uh, he's going to get here soon. Um, as you said, he, he, he said all the right things and, um, you know, he got business taken care of. He got engaged, uh, before, before he signed his contract. So he's ready to come over with his, his now fiance, his fiance has got the Canadians cap, uh, on her Instagram. So, um, they're, they're all set. Um, it was as far as, yes, it's according to the rules right now, wouldn't be eligible to play once the season, uh, this season, the current season resumes. Uh, and to put a bit of a dagger into that, um, uh, Bill Daly was asked specifically about the Romanoff case and asked if, if he'd be allowed to play and if the rules could change. And Daly said, and I'll quote it, uh, that's tough for me to answer definitively because it depends on a number of variables that haven't been decided yet. But I can certainly say that I believe if he would ever be eligible to play in the balance of the 2019-20 season. So, no, (laughs) no. Um, Well, and yes, yes, Romanov said all the right things um, and that he's willing to play wherever, but um, given the hype and the Canadians haven't, haven't tamped down any of the hype, all of the comparisons, the Drew Doughty comparisons, the Gila point comparisons, um, if he plays in the AHL, I will be very, very surprised uh, next year. I, I mean, yeah. you, you never know how, <laughs> how a player is going to react. You never know how they're going to transition. Uh, but I'd be very surprised uh, if Romanoff's in the AHL next season. Absolutely. I, I tend to agree with you there. Um, well, as much excitement as that generated, um, you know, lots of signings, People starting to get a little excited. Yes, there's still the rumbling of, okay, when is when is the, you know, is the season going to restart? You know, is the draft going to happen before the season restart? There's still so many questions that are unanswered. Although, interestingly, along that vein, um, you know, Gary Bettman's trying to decide whether or not they can feasibly pull off restarting this season again, yet the NHL announced uh, this past week that they've canceled all international play for the 2020, 2021 season. So it's not safe to go play internationally at all next season, but Hey, maybe we can still play on North America this season. <laughs> a little backwards to me, but okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but you know, again, that should be an indicator, right? 
Um, of course, all of that uh, excitement got tamped down a little bit yesterday when Joel Bouchard needed to meet with the media after the a uh, announcement came out from the AHL that um, the AHL season, meaning the Laval Rockets season, uh, would be abruptly coming to an end. And it's not something that's really, you know, that should come as much of a surprise. It's It's been rumbling around for quite a while now. Um, and, and again, we're going to get into what the AHL shutdown means in the next segment, but um, still isn't easy to hear, of course. Um, and so Joel Bouchard, uh, to the Laval's credit, they had a, a teleconference with the media scheduled for two hours after the AHL announcement came out, um, which which was pretty proactive on their part to just get right to it. Um, and so Joel Bouchard spent an hour and 15 minutes on the phone with with media. Um, of course, uh, the Rocket Sports media team was on the call as well, listening, taking notes. Um, I actually have a post out at AHLReport.com with a, a bit of a synopsis and some quotes uh, if you'd want to check that out. And so Joel Bouchard covered a whole... Um, yeah, kind of a whole litany of of topics surrounding the season. Uh, there were those who were pushing him into trying to answer about the emotions of having to give up the season when, uh, you know, they had gone on a on a pretty good run for their last ten games, and it looked like you know they were four, they ended the season. Now this is official. Now they ended the season four points out of a playoff position. Um, and so that means that Laval in its three years in existence so far as a franchise has yet to make a playoff series. Um, and so he was asked about, you know, the disappointment of that and asked about what prospects should be doing now in the off season and asked about development and asked about players uh, and their performances over the season and veterans and what the mix was like and, kind of went all over the place a little bit. Um, and Rick, what were your biggest takeaways from listening uh, to everything Joel Bouchard had to say? He seemed to, uh, I'll, I'll borrow a phrase I just used with Alexander Romanoff. He said a lot of the right things. Um, but the question is, will he put the things, were all of the things he said accurate? And, if they're in terms of in the future, are they things that he will, you know, put his money where his mouth is and actually live up to some of the things that, that he's proclaiming for the future of the, of the franchise? Well, I think um, uh, there was a question um, was asked, uh, um, is, is it a relief now that, now that, you know, now that you have uh, uh, certainty about, um, you know the the fate of this particular season, and um, I, I I would just end it right there. What, do you have relief? And I think I think that's the biggest takeaway. Is um, sure um, Joel Bouchard uh, would have liked to have played out the season and and given his team a chance to compete for the, the playoffs. But um, if he had not miss, if he had missed the playoffs in a full season. Uh, there would have been 
some big questions uh, because we heard uh, some pretty bold uh, predictions uh, throughout the Montreal media that um, this was the best uh, AHL team ever assembled, the best roster ever assembled, I, you know, and, and uh, a guarantee uh, playoff uh, team, but uh, a definite competitor for the Calder Cup. And, okay, people forget about those kinds of things, but not having to answer the question and for Joel Bouchard to sit back and say, well, what if? What if we had made the playoffs? Yes, we were, you know, we were close. Well, um, again, there, there's been some improvement uh, the year prior. Uh, his first, his inaugural year, uh, he coached uh, the Laval Rockets, 27th place finish. Uh, that has to be a huge disappointment given the roster that they put together. I thought it was interesting that he keyed on the fact that um, that uh, they had they had ended the season with four straight wins, um, and and uh, he you know he's absolutely right that that Laval was on a bit of an upturn um, with a seven and three record in their last ten, uh, four straight wins. Now, the caveat there is that two of those uh, wins came over the Cleveland Monsters, the second worst team in the NHL, and prior to that streak, those 10 games, um, the Rocket had lost six straight games. And go ahead, try to blame it on Keith Kincaid. Yes, Keith was in for <laughs> two of those six losses, but Caden Primo was in the net for four of those losses. And in fact, if you look at the last uh, uh, 15 or prior to this, this, uh, this uh, 10 game run, if you look at the previous 15, 16 games, the Laval Rocket only had three wins um, from about mid-January. So uh, they were starting to come up, up a little, but they had dug themselves a pretty good hole. And um, it's not as if they were necessarily, you know, on the, on the uh, best streak in the, in a division or, or even in their conference, uh, the, the Providence Bruins were on a 12-game winning streak. Um, the Binghamton Devils, which held the last uh, spot, were had won nine of their last ten games. And yeah. then that, that leads to their point, and that is the upcoming schedule for the Laval Rocket was brutal, was absolutely brutal. It was. The, the Binghamton uh, Devils, who were um, one of the – say the the second best team um uh in the east um that that um they had won all those games in a in a row um laval would have met them three times in eight days um they would have met yeah they would have met hershey uh in hershey hershey um, uh, in second place in the atlantic uh they would have utica twice utica always plays uh, them tough and and Joe Bouchard called Belleville a powerhouse. They sitting at the north. They would have played uh, Belleville in that streak. So um, it's nice. I think relief is the word uh, that I would attach. Uh, that that uh, it would have been a really tough stretch. Would have been a really tough uh, position to try and and just 14 games left uh, for the Laval Rocket to move up from fifth place and try to. 
uh, take that fourth uh, spot in, in the North, really tough. And now they don't have to answer that question. And Lavelle and uh, Joe Bouchard can say, well, you know, uh, we were trending in the right way. We, you know, and, and his quote was, uh, I wouldn't have wanted to face us in the playoffs. Well, that is if they were able to make it. Well, we actually, we have that clip. Here is, here is what Joel Bouchard had to say about that. And you're right about the playoff run. It would have been a lot of fun. I know the player, when I talked to them, they thought all been there disappointed. That being said, uh, I think they realized that everything we did where we got, and if we would have get to the playoff, I think we would have been a tough, a tough matchup for anybody. I think we would have been a tough matchup for anybody in the playoffs. So, of co- what, what else is a coach going to say? Um, they, if they could have made, if they could have kept that streak going, if they made the playoffs, they could have probably been competitive, maybe in the first round. Um, I don't know how. I don't know that they would have gone deep. Um, and I think there were still a lot of inconsistencies in the, in the in the gameplay that needed to be worked out. But again, those are things, they're hypotheticals. No one will ever know. All we do know is how the season ended. And now it's just, okay, you have to just put, take, as, as Bouchard said, he meets with his coaching staff online every week. Um, they have an online chat room and he's constantly reviewing with them every week video and and things of that nature and saying um in fact i have a quote here in my post um talking about how um you know where were we good where can we get better how can we make this more efficient Uh, so he's already looking at next season and what needs to improve what they did well um he was asked he's very adamant that uh anyone who is now in the off season, um, if it's a prospect, if it's you know one of his roster players already, that they should be taking this opportunity now that they are home and they're in isolation to do everything they can to work on every skill that they're able to in their environment, and that they need to uh, improve and they need to um, really just kind of put the the pedal to the metal with their own training uh, as to the best of their ability. In fact, he went so far as to say... Well, I would say it's the same thing for the young prospect. If I was a young 18, 19-year-old guy right now, there's no reason why I would not have six-pack. And that's my talk to the guys all the time. Why could we not be a better athlete coming out of this? Apparently, Joel Bouchard believes that if he were an 18 year, 19 year old right now, that he there's no reason why he wouldn't have a six pack right now. <laughs> um, which got a good chuckle on social media. Uh, but basically, he's saying how he's challenging all of them. Uh, there's no reason why you should. He said it's beyond me if you come out of this this situation not in better shape than you went into it. Now that's not, that's taking skating out of the equation, obviously, but as far as physical fitness, he expects them to be working very hard right now. Um, I don't know how feasible that is for every athlete, depending on what their home situation is like. I also don't know how feasible that is motivation wise. Certainly, um, 
and we're going to talk about this a little bit in the next segment, any athletes that any AHL players that could potentially end up um, playing with the NHL club if the, if and when the season review resumes, of course, those athletes are certainly training right now and keeping themselves in shape because they don't know if they're going to be called upon, but for, for your prospects and for, and for your, your career AHLers and whatnot, I don't know that they'd have the motivation to have a six pack right now. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's just me. <laughs> well, I, I just, I just thought it was, you know, he, he personalized it that he, he himself sees himself as, being back to 18 year old or 19 and having a six pack. I, I, there's nothing wrong with, with encouraging your players to, um, to take the time to work on something. And as you said, uh, one is, one is motivation. And, and for some people, and, and this, this is not just um, about hockey players. It applies to everybody. Some people um, approach this and, 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 you know, uh, e- even our our group, um, how we transitioned to working uh, from home to not being in the arenas. You know, some some uh, organizations, some media organizations did it, and I think we did it pretty well. Transitioned much better than others, and and I think uh, Joel Bouchard is saying, um, let, let's not uh, us uh, our team be the ones kind of caught on on the couch, and and that's fair. Um, uh, you know. Um, a six pack check when they get back. That's, that's a little bit silly. Um, I, I, I think it will help now that, that there is some finality. They know, uh, as you said, there's, there's two groups. Um, there's those players who know that they're going to have a, a bit of a layoff now and they can work on things that, uh, and hopefully the organization has communicated to them what those things are that they need to be working on. Then there's that taxi squad, the, the black aces, the, uh, normally a playoff group, but that, um, Dave Andrews, uh, in, in his interview said that, uh, as far as what he knows, most of the players have communicated to the AHL players, um, and have told them already who are going to be that taxi squad, who are going to be the extra players. Uh, and however big that group is eight to 10, as the rosters will expand uh, when the NHL comes back um, because they, they have to build in the fa- have a, a contingency in case um, there's, there's players uh, on the roster to get the, the virus also coming back after a long layoff. If there's going to be minor injuries, they have to have a stock of players and for sure they're going to have to have three goaltenders. Uh, and I expect that'll be part of, of the expanded rosters when the NHL comes back. But those players, according to Andrews, um, for most organizations know that they're on that squad and they know that they have to be getting in uh, game shape, which is a little different from those who have more long-term goals uh, in preparing and catching themselves for next season. Now, one of the things that Joel Bouchard um was asked a lot about was development and his roster management of of rookies and prospects versus veterans. And there's a clip, it's a little lengthy, it's about a minute long, but I want to play it. And then Rick will get your, your, your reaction to it. Um, And just in general, some of the things that, you know, it's, it's, it's no secret on this show for our listeners that, from the get-go of Joel Bouchard's tenure with Rock uh, with the Laval Rocket, 
we have called him out on every single time he has waffled between stating that he is all about creating a winning environment and then does a complete about face and no, 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 it's all about development, but then it's got to be about a winning environment, but no, it's got to be about development. It, he can't seem to decide. <laughs> um, and so in this particular press conference, he was all about development, all about development. Um, and it's funny because some of what you're about to hear in this clip rings a little familiar to a Sylvain Lefebvre interview that uh, we talk about. We talked about on this podcast a week or so ago, where uh, we went into great detail about some comments Sylvain Lefebvre talked about during his tenure of coaching uh, in the Canadians AHL organization and, and how, you know, what was more important most of the time was putting young prospects in difficult positions, high pressure positions, knowing they there's a good chance they're going to fail and they that failure may cause them to lose the game, but it was better for the prospect to have gotten the experience and be able to make mistakes and learn from it so that he can better prepare them for when they need to do that in the NHL. We talked about that in, in depth. It's, it's a week or two ago. Go back and listen to it. Um, it's odd. You're going to hear something quite similar suddenly uh, in the wake of that in Joel Bouchard's commentary here. Do you know how many times I leave the centerman in the D-zone face-off? No, he's going to get picked apart by the veteran on the other side, and I could change him, and the ref looks at me, and I say no, and I leave him there, and he gets picked apart. And I can tell you two times this year they scored off it. But the reality is going to be more harmful to the development of the player to just pull him all the time. I'm going to destroy his confidence. I'm going to kind of showcase him in front of the other guys a little too much. So I need to let him handle it because he puts it in his shell. He's going to have to be able to handle it on icing of a situation where they're the coach cannot change him. So now what do we do? We give him better technique, we guide him, we tell him, and we work with him. So this is just one example I'm trying to give you. Uh, one man on the bench, if I was in another league, he would be out. So that sounds awfully familiar. It also <laughs> doesn't. It also doesn't sound like what we actually witnessed happening during games. Um and the big thing, as as you pointed out to me when we first listened to this, um, that last line, if, if I were in another league, he'd be out. Oh, okay. Well, that's good to know. <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. That's, that's good to know. We're, we're glad that's a good piece of insight for us. But, Rick, overall, uh, what are your thoughts on, on that soundbite? Well, now – Season's over, games are over, uh, coaching players is over, and sit back and philosophize about it, and you can say things like that. But put Joel Bouchard behind the bench, and he's in that other league he's talking about. Mm-hmm. He would be out, and that's what happened over and over and over again to guys like Ryan Paling and Lucas Vedemo, and even Kotkaniemi at times. Um, mm-hmm. that's his, that's 
Joel Bouchard's default. That's his go-to position is to yank those guys because Joel Bouchard is so competitive. We heard this when he arrived. He said, for him, development is winning. It's all about winning. As long as uh, there's, there's a, a, a clock on the, over the ice, he will always be doing everything at, to, at any expense to win. That was his quote last year. That was his mantra last year, and it carried him through. And then somehow he figured out after a 27th place finish that he could use development as an excuse. Uh, oh, no, I was, I was developing the player, so I didn't need to win. Uh, that's, that's, that's what came up. And it's funny because it's a pet. Yes, I admit it's, I admit it's a pet peeve of mine, the, the um, defensive zone faceoff. And I've mentioned it throughout the season on this podcast that it bothers me because it doesn't matter that, that it's Ryan Paling's weak side. He needs to learn how to take a weak side faceoff. He needs to yeah. take, learn how to take, a defensive zone face-off. And if he's not going to learn in the AHL, where is he going to learn? Um, he needs that experience. He needs that when he gets up to the uh, NHL. So does Lucas Vedemo. So does uh, KK uh, Kakinyemi. Um And over and over and over again, we saw the go-to guys for um, uh, uh, Joe Bouchard. And it was, it was Kevin Lynch and it was, Alexandra Lan and, and um, Alex Belzio when he wasn't injured and, and so on. Um, there he, he relied on those guys, and it seems now I'm not I'm not not saying that that it's it's uh, we hit a nerve, but there was that article uh, in in uh, and TBR and it was uh, Sylvain Lefebvre, and he. He talked specifically. We've we've not heard Joe Bouchard talk at all about a defensive zone faceoff, and mm-hmm. and justifying his decision making. But there was that interview with Sylvain Lefebvre, and Sylvain Lefebvre said, "Listen, uh, sometimes you got to leave a player in there so he learns." Um, and it it was funny that that um, you know obviously a nerve was struck. And uh, uh, Joe Bouchard carbon copied that answer that Sylvain Lefebvre uh, gave and spit it out again as if he had been doing it, doing it all that way all last season. And he hadn't. Now, listen, if he's come to some epiphany and that's what he's going to do next season, I'm all for I'm it. All for it and and yeah. I'll praise him and I'll, 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 I'll note, note it and tell you all about it. Absolutely. Uh, but he did not do that this season. It should be mentioned. He said, Specifically, there was twice, and, and it's still re- pretty fresh in his memory, that a lost uh, own zone faceoff um, cost us the game, uh, gave up two goal. goals. And he was yeah. referring, when you put that whole clip in context, he, in context, he was referring to Ryan Paling um, in that context. But um, I, I, I found that whole thing fascinating. I really did find mm-hmm. it fascinating. Absolutely. Uh, we will, of course, uh, we'll probably be talking a little bit, we'll probably still be talking about this a bit next week as there's some other things that we're going to dive into. Um, if, comments. It, I'm sorry, if I can just add one more thing. Sure. Because it relates, uh, well, while we're on this clip, because uh, it relates to the, this clip, um, he talks about in there 
that he has to explain to the vets that, um, yes, I know this guy's going to get picked apart, but, but I, I have to leave him in there because he's a prospect. He insinuates that uh, certain vets were upset by the amount of ice time given to developing prospects. Uh, and I don't think that's fair. I don't think that's an honest assessment of what was going on. Uh, all the AHL vets that, that we've run into, um, they're, they're fully aware that de- developing prospects are going to get ice time, even, even when they're learning, even when they're making mistakes. Um, but a prominent feature of a, of a, a Jean Bouchard, uh, a hallmark of, of, of one of his teams, is his reliance on marginal players, uh, players who have shown loyalty, fealty to him. Uh, he, he talks about loving the beer league guys, the guys that graduated from, um, from the ECHL, the Kevin Lynch's and the Alex Belzeal's and, and so on. And also the large contingent from the Armada who are already loyal to him, Alexander Land. And I think, um, you know, if you give those people important roles in the lineup due to their loyalty uh, rather than their contributions or potential, that that maybe that's and I'm speculating here, maybe that's what um, when he talks about having to explain things or AHL vets being upset, maybe that's what he's referring to. Uh, but I don't think any any um, AHL vet is going to uh, be upset with. Um, they know the role. They know that that prospects are there to develop. They're there to learn their mistakes. Uh, so I thought that was a bit disingenuous that part. I agree. Uh, and as I said, we'll, we'll get into that probably a little bit more as well as some of the other topics he covered uh, over the course of the next week or so as we kind of delve into things uh, like his, his use of veterans um, and, and what he sees heading forward for the off season. Uh, it was an interesting phone call. Um, there, it was, sometimes I didn't know what was more interesting, uh, Joel Bouchard's answers or, um, the kinds of questions he was getting, and and the re- and then the subsequent reaction from that same media uh, when they reported about the call on social media. Um, it's it's a it's a fascinating social experiment. <laughs> That's all I will say. I'm not gonna. It's, well, it's I'll a, just add. I mean, it's it's fascinating when you have Montreal media who haven't covered the team uh, the entire year have mm-hmm. maybe been to a game uh, and so they don't know what questions to ask so they come in with Mm-mm. their their <laughs> preordained questions and they don't they don't make any sense whatsoever no um, and for uh, Flyers and Phantoms fans, we have not forgotten you. Uh, we are in touch with the Phantoms and we should uh, have Uh, some reporting for you hopefully by next week's show uh, we're going to be speaking with Scott Gordon um, most likely uh, and get his reaction and and the status of of the the phantoms going into this offseason now and so forth so we will have the full same kind of reporting that we just broke down with you with Joel Bouchard we'll have that on the flip side for for the phantoms as well coming up Uh, the phantoms are just doing some logistics right now deciding on on um, who's going to be made available for, for that kind of a conference call. So don't, uh, don't fear. We haven't forgotten you. Uh, we, we will bring you that information 
the moment that we have it. Right now, however, we're going to take a quick break, and on the other side, we're going to go around the AHL, and we're going to talk about the cancellation of the AHL season and what it means for the league, for the players, and moving forward into next year. So don't go anywhere. We'll, we will be back right after this. From the Press Box is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. For all the latest news, interviews, analysis, and commentary about the Laval Rocket, Lehigh Valley Phantoms, and every other team in the American Hockey League, as well as information on prospects, junior hockey, and international hockey, head over to AHL.Report, the home of the AHL Report. Follow along on Twitter at the AHL Report for live game updates, ringside photography, game recaps, and articles containing exclusive audio and video of your favorite players. That's the AHL Report, proud partner of Rocket Sports Media, AHL.Report. Welcome back to From the Press Box right here on the AHL Report. Again, I'm your host, Amy Johnson, joined by our co-host, Rick Stevens. And don't forget to find us on Twitter, uh, particularly with lots of news happening uh, in the last week. If you were following us on Twitter, we were able to keep you apprised uh, as things went along. But if not, be sure you're following us at the AHL Report. And head over to AHLReport.com to get all of the latest Posts that we have there, as I mentioned, I, uh, I had a, a summary post of Joel Bouchard's uh, teleconference out yesterday. Uh, my friend and colleague Chris G also, of course, has his rocket notepads that come out every other week. He's had some great stuff lately as well. Uh, so you don't want to miss those things, as well as, again, all of the news that we share. So the big news, of course, around uh, the AHL it wasn't, uh, it was to be expected. Um, I think we all knew this was going to be the eventual outcome, but it's still, um, it takes a little while to kind of process it and accept it that now officially uh, the AHL season is complete. Um, it will not go on. Um, and the Calder Cup will not be awarded this year. In fact, I believe our friend Patrick Williams uh, had, had, Tweeted earlier this week that um, the Calder was one of the runnest, one of the longest running uh, streaks for a championship cup being awarded uh, that there was. I I want to say it was at 82 or 83 years, and that streak comes to an end now this year, uh, which is very unfortunate. Um, and Dave Andrews sent out uh, a message to AHL fans saying. Um, the AHL has determined that the completion of the 2019-20 season is not feasible in light of the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, and at this time, the focus of the league and our teams has turned to preparing for next season. The last two months have been trying for all of us as we navigate through these times of uncertainty. Along with many other things that we normally take for granted, sports have taken a back seat in our lives. But we look forward to coming together with you all again as soon as the time uh, is right. Um, Rick, we, we expected this. It still is disappointing. It's disappointing for fans. It's disappointing for players. It's disappointing for coaches. It's disappointing for support staff. Um, 
you know, it's not an easy pill to swallow. Uh, it's the right move to make both on the, both on the public health front. And of course, financially, it just wouldn't be feasible. Um, but it's, it's, it's the right move to make um, on the public health front as well. Um, and now it's like, it's official. Before it was like, okay, well, we're kind of on pause, but it's officially the off season for the AHL. It, uh, it feels kind of weird. Uh, that's right. And uh, Dave Andrews confirmed that uh, the league had started pivoting um, and, and member teams had started pivoting to the, 2020 um, 2020-21 season about two weeks ago and uh, over those two weeks they've been communicating with with um, with teams uh, allowing as they did as you said um, the rocket came out right away well that was that was because they had time to plan and prepare also the teams have have communicated uh, with their all of their sponsors and they've each come up with uh, refund plans and all those kinds of questions that um, that when you make an announcement uh, like this um, uh, are bound to come up uh, smartly. Um, the league has taken these two weeks to, to come up with answers and solutions for all of those items uh, in advance before making the final announcement. Um, and, and, and the difficulty now um, as, as, Dave Andrews said um, it, the, the attention turns to next season. Um, and he was asked if, if um, uh, they can play without fans. And, and uh, Dave Andrews said, you know, uh, the AHL is a gate uh, driven league, not like the NHL. Uh, their broadcast revenue is very limited. So um, it's going to be tough. Um, they will, he, he committed that they will be playing um in 2021, but he said it could look uh, quite dramatically different. That's right. We actually have some uh, clips of audio from uh, his interview with Jeff Merrick and Brian Burke. Um, and, and the first one that we have is, is him in fact talking about how it, it's, it's an unfortunate uh, thing to have to announce, but that really um, wasn't too big of a surprise around the league. Well, the, I mean, the, the final decision was made uh, Friday afternoon, Jeff, but it's been, uh, I mean, it was no surprise that, that it was unlikely that we would return to play. We, we kept our options open for uh, uh, eight or nine weeks, I guess, from the time that we had suspended play. But uh, we began to really pivot towards preparing for 2021 probably about two weeks ago. So it's it's been the announcement was two weeks in the making, and as you say, he he they are now looking for forward to next year. Um, Dave Andrews said, you know, they are they're making their regular season schedule like they normally would. They hope to have it out mid July as they normally do. However, they're also coming up with contingency plans for you know a November start, a December start, a January start um, because they just don't know they don't know what the the, they don't know what the public health um status is going to be like they don't know what state local or national government uh regulations as far as fans in buildings or even sports teams being in the same building together are going to be um they don't know what the financial impact is going to be there's so many unknowns there's so many logistical things to work out that they have to have a lot of contingency plans. But you did mention Rick that he meant that he talked about how 
um, development, however, has to continue, but it might look, as you say, uh, his words, dramatically different. But we're going to play in 2021. I, you know, I, I don't want to even think about the possibility we won't play at all. Mm-hmm. And we'll figure out the best way for us to play. And, you know, player development is really crucial for all the NHL teams. I mean, they want their, they want these young guys playing. So we've got to figure out how that's going to work and what the business model looks like. And it might be something dramatically different from what it looks like now. And, of course, Rick, that that line perked up a lot of ears because it's like, oh, my gosh, what does dramatically different look like? Um, and that starts all of the the – the imaginations running wild of, of what dramatically different could look like. Um, you know, we may get the AHL back next year, but I don't think it's going to look like what we're used to seeing. AHL teams, the majority of AHL teams run on uh, pretty tight margins and um, it's already tough for them um, in many, in many places. Um, and uh uh, so that it it is going to be dramatically different. He talked about um, that that the NHL um, will must subsidize the uh, the payrolls um, of the teams. Um, you know, broadcast is there going to be more interest? Uh, we don't know, um, but um, you know, it, they really in the in the AHL they really need the gate. And um, you know, as he said, the business model has got to work. Uh, along with uh, hand in glove with with uh, you know whatever model uh, is is prepared to to address the the health issues and um, so it's going to be tricky and and yeah it's going to look it's going to look quite different. It absolutely will. Now in in probably on next week's show we'll talk a little bit about where things left off with the AHL. We'll talk specifically about Laval and and Le- Lehigh Valley's. Um, stats as far as you know players and team leaders and and so on and so forth and and some of the the streaks and things that were happening among teams in, the, in around the league and and things that you'd normally look at at the end of the season now it's like okay well the season the season is what it is now so it's it we can look at those things and we'll we'll kind of break down all of that and analyze that all a bit next week but Rick uh they didn't waste any time today announcing um, that the John B. Sullenberger Trophy for the leading point getter in the AHL, as well as the Willie Marshall Award for being the AHL's leading goal scorer this season. Um, those announcements did, in fact, come out today. Um, both players, ironically, from the Iowa Wild, um, Sam Annis uh, getting the Sullenberger Trophy for being the lead point getter uh, with 70 points. Uh, in all 63 of the Wilds games and his teammate Jerry Mayhew getting the Willie Marshall award for the leading goal scorer um, with 39 goals in just 49 games. Uh, And so, and, and Rick, uh, you actually had even, um, you had confirmed this information uh, with a, with a dear friend of ours before yesterday, before the AHL even announced it, correct? Well, the AHL, they came out with their announcement that uh, season's done. It's over. Um, and, okay, um, now what does that mean? Uh, we had a bunch of questions. I had some questions, and 
Um, so I, I got in touch with our dear friend, Patrick Williams covers the AHL for NHL.com. Um, he's been on the show and, and we love seeing him, uh, when we're on the road. And I said, Patrick, what does this mean? Is this, um, you know, is, is this a, a DNF, uh, beside the, 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 all the statistics and the standings and whatnot, or is this completed as is? And, um, and, and I specifically had asked him about, um, uh, the Sollenberger award and, and, um, uh, he, he, he let me know at that point. Uh, yes, they, those, those awards are all final. Uh, so then, um, uh, a day later, the, the AHL confirmed that with their, uh, press release, um, uh, today, um, uh, for those two, uh, uh Minnesota wild, uh, players and, and congratulations to them. Um, it's, it's interesting to see in the top 20 in scoring, there's, uh, there's three former, um, uh, Canadians players or, or, or prospects, Chris Terry, Daniel Carr, and, and Kenny Agostino all made it in the, in the top 10. Laval, we know had a hard time scoring this year. Uh, and so I think they would have, that's one of the, the challenges they would have had getting into the playoffs. And then once in the playoffs is, is scoring and, uh, um, it, they finished the season with their leading scorer, Jake Evans, uh, with 38 points. Uh, he ended up 63rd uh, in scoring in the NHL. Well, I mean, congratulations to Jake Evans for that, uh, for for leading Laval. Uh, but, but, yes, that is something that they're definitely need, going to need to address. Uh, and I think they thought they were going to have it this year, and, and they didn't. Um, but congratulations to Sam Annis and Jerry Mayhew. Uh, pretty tremendous feat for them. Um, and, a, and a bit of a consolation uh, getting that honor uh, with the shortened season. One last uh, And, and let's, to... also congratulate, let's also congratulate uh, the Milwaukee Admirals. They won't be uh, raising the Calder Cup, but they uh, were the best team, uh, highest number of points in the season. They were the best team uh, by far. Uh, in the AHL, and so um, uh, congratulations to them. Daniel Carr being uh, part of that uh, that team, and I've heard even one suggestion that if uh, they go to uh, uh, you know all all NHL teams uh, in a in a single knockout tournament, that they should bring the Milwaukee Admirals in to even out the the, <laughs> the numbers. And uh, yeah, that's not going to happen, but. We hear all happen, kinds but... of crazy suggestions at this point, but congratulations to Milwaukee. Absolutely. Uh, one other just quick item I wanted to mention uh, before we move on to our last segment here, um, and that was that earlier this week, Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins forward Ben Sexton announced his retirement from pro hockey. Um, the forward is only 28 years old, uh, and he um, – He's played with a number of different uh, AHL teams over the seasons. Uh, In fact, he was Belleville's uh, American Specialty AHL Man of the Year in the 2017 and 18 season. Um, So you're thinking, 28, why is he retiring already? Well, uh, Ben Sexton did not play at all this past season because of uh, lingering effects of a concussion. And so he posted an announcement uh, last Saturday that with a heavy heart, he was announcing his retirement from playing pro hockey. 
after missing the 2019-20 season due to a concussion and having a prior history of the injury. For my long-term health and growing family, it's in our best interest for me to step away from the game. Um, it's a, it's, we wish Ben Saxon the best of luck. Um, it's stories like that that are very unfortunate, uh, a harsh reality of the physicality of this game sometimes, um, and, and just kind of a reminder that, that, yeah, I mean, we like the hard hits along the glass and, and, you know, you, you love a good scrap and, and, but sometimes, and, you know, Connor Crisp, we've talked about, uh, him and, and his early retirement from hockey due to, due to concussion issues. Um, and it's never, it's, it's never great to see uh, a player have to retire, uh, at a younger age, uh, for concussion related reasons. So we wish Ben Saxton good health and the best of luck on his retirement. And with that, we are going to take one last quick break. When we come back, we will go beyond the AHL. We've got some NCAA news for you. So don't go anywhere. We'll be back right after this. Be sure to follow us on social media. Find us on Twitter at the AHL report. Check out our original game photography on Instagram at AHL report and watch our exclusive video interviews with players, coaches, and other notable hockey names on our YouTube channel, at All Habs. Just remember to turn on notifications so that you never miss a video. The AHL Report, your premier source for Laval Rocket, Lehigh Valley Phantoms, and all American Hockey League news. From the Press Box is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites, In addition to building a worldwide network of sports fans, the team at RSM is also dedicated to mobilizing the sports community in ways that make a difference in the lives of others. Giving back to the community bridges the gap between team affiliations. It's something any fan can support. RSM proudly provided support for organizations and projects like Hockey Fights Cancer, Five Hole for Food, the Montreal Canadiens Children's Foundations, Autism Speaks, Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Canada, and the People of Canada Portrait Project, just to name a few. If you would like to be involved with a Rocket Power project or have a worthy fundraising initiative you'd like us to be part of, please contact us at rocketsportsmedia.com. Welcome back to From the Press Box right here on the AHL Report. Thanks so much for being here with us again today. I'm your host, Amy Johnson, joined again by my co-host, Rick Stevens. And don't forget once again to find us on Twitter at the AHL Report. It's the best place to go to find all of our latest news, updates, and posts that you will not want to miss. Uh, Rick, there was a few things uh, out of the NCAA this week. Um, we spoke uh, last week about um, the Wisconsin Badgers handing out their end of season awards. Um, and I know you had mentioned that you were hoping that perhaps next year Cole Caulfield will, will have uh, some of the, the accolades that um, some of his teammates did as well, but it looks like he was awarded a freshman of the year by um and the word just went right out of my head by uh, by his conference. Ten. Yes, by the Big Ten. By the Big Ten. Um, yeah. And so, at least gets uh, Habs fans, of course, <laughs> very excited. You know, latched right on to Cole Caulfield getting Freshman of the Year. Um, so pretty pretty nice for him. But in the Big Ten as well, Coach of the Year 
familiar name went to none other than Bob Motzko. Uh, we, of course, uh, familiar with Bob Motzko from his coaching at USA Hockey. And uh, I would imagine that uh, that accolade is, is well-deserved from Bob Motzko. For sure. Um, also, interestingly enough, so while the AHL tries to figure out what their season will look like next year, the NHL is trying to figure out if they'll have a, a rest of this season or not. The NCAA was one of the first ones uh, to shut down. Um, and the NCAA going forward is a really tricky situation. Um, I mean, you're looking at scholarships, you're looking at, um, you know, players who have chosen to perhaps not go to junior and instead play in NCAA. And now, you know, all leagues are kind of up in the air, but for the NCAA as well, uh, the NCAA president Mark Emmert on Friday said that college sports will not be played unless and, and until students have returned to college campuses. He said, quote, college athletes are college students and you can't have college sports if you don't have college campuses open and having students on them. Ever want to put student athletes at greater risk than the rest of the student body. Um, so that you know, with a lot of universities and colleges looking at perhaps uh, remote learning for the fall semester um, because they're not sure if they're able to open campuses again. Uh, Rick, this certainly puts a lot of things in limbo. The NCAA, of course, is going to be looking at contingency plans for perhaps not starting their season until after the new year. Um, but interesting to, to see that the NCAA is, is certainly practicing uh, caution uh, as it's deserved. It's there's so many things that um, are, are up in the air, and and this is one uh, is uh, NCAA sports um, is it uh, likely to come back? We we just don't know. Uh, and what happens if let's say junior hockey comes back in Canada, but but um, because it's it's deemed less of a risk, and uh, and and campuses still aren't open, does, does then you know, uh, Cole Caulfield, for example, his rights owned by um, uh, Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds. Does he go play there? Is there movement? What's this going to me- mean for all these student athletes? These are the kinds of questions we're going to be dealing with for the next few months um, as things stay, um, you know, quite unsettled. Absolutely. Now, he does say that doesn't mean that schools have to be up and running in a full normal model, Um but that you've got to treat the health and well-being of the athletes at least as much as regular students. Um, so there has to be some sort of student body on campus in some sort of manner, it seems, before the NCAA will play sports. Uh, so we'll be sure to keep an eye on that. Again, uh, you know, like everything else, um, we, as you say, there's so many things up in the air. There's so many things that aren't, unknown. Uh, We'll continue to keep our eye on things as we hear uh, news come out and as as things develop. I think it's it's constantly changing every day. It's constantly changing every week and I'm sure that we will have more news for you next week on it. Um, 
one last thing before we go, our feel-good finale. Uh, we are going to table our top five. I don't want to rush our top five because our top five are so good and they're so well thought out and I don't oh, want us to rush God. through it. I know. It's oh, just man. so much hockey news. I mean, whoever thinks, uh, granted, we're not watching sports right now, but there's a lot of sports news to talk about. Um, and we're just covering hockey here. So uh, we will we will table our top five. Uh, until next week. It's a good one too. It's a good one. Uh, it's it's a pretty fun one. Um, so we will be sure to get to that next week. But I did want to leave you, of course, with a feel good finale. Um, you know, I am I I am never ashamed to admit that I'm a video game kid. Uh, I was an only child, so video games were totally my thing to you know keep me occupied and they were fun and and I'm I think I've said this before I'm not a I'm not a multiplayer uh game player I'm not a an online game player playing with a bunches of people and those kinds of things I'm a I'm I tend to be a solo game player just let me go on an adventure give me Zelda give me Mario give me those kinds of things but I love um you know, right now in quarantine and isolation, kids are playing, well, and adults, frankly, are playing a lot of video games right now. Um, probably more than parents would normally let their kids play, but, you know, they're they're home a lot. And found this great story on Twitter that this woman's 15-year-old son has pretty much spent every second of his free time hanging out online playing video games with his friends. And, um, you know, this this 15-year-old and his friends have been playing a few different kinds of games and, and so on and so forth. Um, and a couple of nights ago, they made a plan to meet up as a big group on Fortnite. Um, and she goes on to say that, you know, her son's 15, her friends are, his friends are the same age, and none of them really play Fortnite too much anymore because, as she says, quote, the crowd is a little younger. <laughs> so I guess the 15-year-olds don't want to play with the younger kids on Fortnite. Um, but they decided they wanted to play. They, they decided they'd play. So there were six of these kids um, 15, around 15 years of age, all got up, all got together on Fortnite, goofing off. And there was this solo player that they came across. And... He seemed like he was a little young, but he, for, for whatever reason, these boys took a liking to him. And so they invited him to join their little crew and he was playing with them for the rest of the night. And they soon discovered um, that they were correct. In fact, this kid was only 10. Now, let's go back to the days before video game. How many 10 year olds get to hang out with a group of 15 year olds? That doesn't happen too often. Well, they find out that this 10-year-old was going to be celebrating his birthday the next day. And then they realized that this kid is 10 years old and he's at home by him, you know, in quarantine, just hanging out by himself on Fortnite all night on the eve of his 11th birthday. And his birthday is going to be spent in quarantine. And so they threw him a Fortnite birthday party. Um, they gave him, so they, apparently they took him on a whole bunch of adventures around the game that they knew about. They loaded him up with all of the Fortnite loot that they could give him. They helped him win a few key battles to help him level up. And they made him stay up until midnight so that they could all sing happy birthday to him. Wow. <laughs> I just thought that that, you know, and, and this mom says, can you imagine the disappointment of being quarantined for your 11th birthday 
only to be met by a random six-pack of teenage gamers who decide you're awesome and want to throw you a birthday party. What a roller coaster. What an experience. What an incredible thing to do for a young gamer. And she says, in conclusion, video games, hell yes. (laughs) So kudos to uh, mom for bringing up a very, uh, very nice young man and his friends who um, decided to make this little boy's 11th birthday pretty special in, uh, in a different way thanks to the pandemic. I thought that was pretty neat. Oh, that's pretty fantastic. It is. And I don't think that he forgets his 11th birthday and all of his new pals that he made on Fortnite. Um, and I'm so that just going to add a, a feel-good, yeah. kind of a personal feel-good, and that is uh, that an NH- a member of uh, an NHL team, I'll say the team, the Buffalo Sabres, uh, did something really, really nice uh, that uh, specifically impacted um, members of my family. So um, I want to thank I want to thank him. He that was um, I'm not going to name him, but um, that was that was very kind. And uh, um, NHL players making a difference in in uh, ordinary people's lives. And uh, and 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 without looking for the the limelight or or. Uh, you know, to, mm-hmm. to get the credit. So uh, we thank everyone uh, for uh, everything they're doing to, to help people um, in need at this time. Absolutely. Um, you know, it's, it's really incredible to see the feel good stories that are coming out all over the world. Um, people helping people. Uh, it's what we need to be doing um, all coming together and, and just getting through this crisis one day at a time. Um, and someday we'll look back and think about all of these crazy memories that we'll have from, from enduring this all together. But it's stories like that, uh, Rick, that really make it really make it special. So thanks for sharing that as well. And if you have, if, Hey, if you've got a, a feel good finale story that you'd like us to share, if you, if you have, if you hear about an incredible story of someone making a difference in someone else's life uh, right now, be sure to uh, send us a tweet at the AHL reporter. You could send it right to me at Flyers Rule or write to Rick at All Habs. Uh, let us know. We'll be sure to, to get it onto the show because we really like ending the show this way these days. Um, Feel Good Finale is a great way to end the show and, and get us ready for the rest of the week ahead. So we really appreciate you being here with us. Please be safe. Stay healthy, practice social distancing, don't go out unless you have to, uh, and hug your loved ones a little extra tonight. And we will be back here once again next week, uh, next Tuesday, right here at the AHL Report. Another episode of From the Press Box coming your way. Until then, try to get out and enjoy some spring weather. We'll see you then. And keep on wishing. Remember your dreams. Oh, let's